to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're, the Cubs went three for three for over six games over the holiday weekend plus home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. When you find us, if you like the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review because it helps other people find the podcast and it helps Danny and I make a little bit of money. Speaking of, I am joined as always by my co-host and friend, Danny Brackett. How's it going, Danny? Hey, good morning. We're recording earlier than usual. Uh, so I'm tired. I stayed up quite late last night talking about the Chicago Cubs on a Twitter space, uh, which I had never really hosted a big one before I tried it out, but it had a lot of fun on there. It's just like basically like an instant podcast, except with people that you don't know. <laughs> that sounds awesome, actually. I saw that you were on there and I went to bed because I knew we were getting up uh, more earlier than more earlier. <laughs> sure. I knew it's we were getting up proof. earlier than usual. <laughs> Proof it's early. Proof it's more earlier. It's more (laughs) earlier. Um, But, you know, the sun is out. My coffee has a pride sticker on it. The Cubs went three for three on this little. I I guess it's not just a, it's not a homestand. It's a, it's a quasi road trip homestand, but the road trip part was in Chicago. So it feels like a homestand. But honestly, I feel like three for three over six games and five days or four days or however quickly they played them is about as good as we can hope for from this Cubs team. So I'm calling it a win and we are going to save our incredible phrase of Anwi Kutuli for some other day when the Cubs have disappointed us. <laughs> yeah, that was funny that we came up. Well, ever since uh, in a little text chat, we came up with the phrase Anwi Kutuli. Um, they, they won two games. So maybe right. we should, we, we should uh, stop paying attention and feel mad about them more. Right. That was the game. And and just for some context here, Danny and I, Danny had free tickets to this game and invited me to go. And I had already said I would go. And both of us were kind of like, I don't know. The team keeps losing. It's we're yes. tired. Yeah, Yesterday Memorial was a long day. Yeah. Took a lot out of us. I don't know. But but we did go because we're Cubs fans and we're, we're diehards and neither of us can stare down free tickets and not show up. And And Danny, I am so glad we did. Not just because the Cubs won, as we'll get into in a second, but we saw a little bit of history. It was a fun win. Um, and frankly, maybe maybe we just need to mock the Cubs and our sense of frustration and malaise more often. And that will that will get the Cubs some W's. <laughs> yeah, well, I've been doing it for like 35 years. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it worked once when they won the World Series. So I'll just keep on going. No, I, it was, you know, it what I liked about all these games, because the white Sox and we're going to talk about those games and also the Brewers series, uh, are playing a lot of games. I got five against the Cardinals now. Oh my God. Just baseball after baseball, which is awesome. But these are pretty good teams and they're all towards the top of their division. Um, if not at the top of the division, our division even, and we played them tough. All the games were winnable. Uh, I, I, and some of them we did win. So, you know, overall, when I kind of zoom out for a moment and look at the the bigger picture, it's uh, it's kind of a good look. I mean, you got the young guys out there. Morell's just, I mean, he what a great start to his career, and uh, he's out there uh, with a couple other young dudes. You got uh, Frazier back, Madrigal back. The pitching's been decent. You know, it's just all kind of firing at a pretty good cylinder on on all its cylinders, and it's just kind of nice to see at least playing these teams to even that are supposed to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. 
let's let's jump right into it because we've got six games to cover and five games to preview. It's going to be a packed, fun show. Um, that first game, yeah, that first game against the White Sox down on the south side. Okay, can we talk about Keegan Thompson? I think Keegan Thompson might be I, – I, I almost want to use the word great. Like, he has been outstanding for the Cubs so far this season. He has a 1.58 ERA. He is striking out 22.7% of the batters he face, he faces. He is only walking 7.1% of them. Now, look, uh, metrics like FIP and XFIP think that that is going to – that he's pitching a little bit above his skis right now. He's getting a little bit lucky. His, but his fifth is 3.49, and if I told you Keegan Thompson was going to come in in a starter role and throw to a 3.49 ERA this year, everybody would be happy with that. I have been so impressed with Keeks. Yeah, it's been great. kind of came out of the blue. Uh, and, um, I mean, it, in one way, he, he's been not somewhat hidden because a lot of his uh, – he hasn't started as much as he's been – kind of used out of the pen right so um mix here like, there. yeah he's only started what three three games and yeah. he's been in a lot of those piggyback starts so it's kind of like you're getting the one time through the order he ends up with the win so it looks really good from like an old school perspective he's five and oh you know that kind of thing and but yeah if the cubs i i don't totally discount that because if the cubs seem to win when he pitches that does say something so, um, yeah, he's been good. He hasn't been giving up the long ball too much. Strikeout to walk ratio looks really nice. I mean, this might be one of those pitch lab specials that we had heard so much about for years. That was coming. I swear to God, they're coming. And maybe they're, maybe they're starting to come. So you're totally right to flag the fact that he has, he has done a bunch of work out of the pen this year. But I do want to just a couple more numbers that, that kind of blew my mind when I was looking up. Keegan Thompson, um, his ground ball rate right now is 53.4%. That is elite, particularly given the number of innings that he has thrown. Uh, he has also left 93.1% of runners on base. Now, again, that's probably going to that's that's gonna equalize at some point. Some of those runners are going to come home. But I, I really think that that shows a presence of mind on the mound. He's not getting flustered out there when there's runners on. He's getting out of jams. He's doing the type of work that he knows he needs to do. And frankly, the Cubs are going to need him because Drew Smiley just landed on the IL. Oh, he did? I did not see that. Yeah, Drew Smiley, left, Drew Smiley left one of the Memorial Game days, uh, Memorial Day games um, after three innings without giving up a hit because he felt something in his, I think it was an oblique injury or a back injury or something like that, but really? definitely looking like a month without Drew Smiley, who we will talk about later. And so I think Keegan Thompson has a starting job for at least the month of June. Uh, if he can keep it. Yeah. It's the, the Miley's down too, 15 days. So you get the smiley and Miley brigade uh, sitting there on the, on the list, but yeah, they're really uh, hurting their trade value. Well then, yeah, exactly. Well, that's just it is. I mean, that's the whole point is keeping these guys healthy just so you can trade them. Um, that was the idea anyway, but yeah, if it, if Keegan Thompson's got to start swarmer, like you figure that at some point these guys and they've all pitched well, all the guys that have come up, um, including um, who's the guy that pitched. Uh, it was his debut. There were lots um, of debuts, Danny, uh, but I think you're thinking of Anderson Espinosa. Yeah, I am. I am. Smiley left the game. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Anderson Espinosa coming into that game, he was like the what 27th man that day. So if 
this is what I want to see. Like if we're if we're gonna be a five hundred ball club, I I kind of and I know we're gonna get into like Jason Hayward coming back and what and you know the repercussions of that of whether we want to see Jason Hayward or uh, Velasquez or whoever it be that's the hot bat down it in the minors. But um, you know I want to see these guys. I want to see what we got with Anderson Espinosa at the big league level. Drew Smiley's great as far as like a guy you can maybe flip at the deadline for a trade situation and Miley, same thing. Uh, But, you know, I want to see these young dudes, pitch. I'm way more excited about that. So I'm way more excited about Keegan Thompson getting started starts instead of, um, you know, piggybacking out of the, out of the pen. So, so yeah, he's, he's been very good. So let's, I know now that we've mentioned it, I feel like we've really just tempted fate. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, let's, let's get back to this first White Sox game. We're going to talk about Anderson Espinosa. We're going to talk about Stormer. We're going to talk about all those guys in just a second, but I have, I'm all kind of a stickler for chronology, uh, with these recaps. So, um, yeah, the bullpen was good in that first game against the Sox. The Cubs win five to one. The Cubs got to Cueto, which was outstanding. And can I just say lots of good runnings? They had three stolen bases in that game. Morell, Horner, and Simmons all had stolen bases. And and look, I know the Cubs get thrown out on the base paths a lot. The two plans this year are ridiculous and sort of over the top. But they have been running more and stealing more bases, which has helped them score runs. Yeah, I mean, highest caught stealings in the league, actually, right now. Um, so, and, and that can be frustrating because then, you know, then somebody comes up and hits a double and you're like, he would have scored. <laughs> Cubs, Cubs have a bad record in one run, one run games right now. Uh, it's not good. So I know that there's been a few times and I can't point them out specifically, but I'm sure if I dug into all the games and looked and like they would have won if this one thing didn't happen, there are some games like that. So, um, yeah, but they, you know, this is fun. Stolen bases are fun. I they, have considered going back and like actually counting up because there's some unofficial two plan counters. I going on uh, at EB softball Jeff has has one where he's kind of got like all the players that he sees as he sees them their two plans but I have thought about going back and finding all the caught stealings and all the pickoffs and watching them to see if they were two plans or not and getting an official tracker going because frankly I feel like it's an incredible number this season and and Danny you're absolutely right we want to keep the stolen bases we want to keep the excitement and also Wilson Contreras doesn't need to be trying to stretch a double into a triple and get thrown out at third yeah, or or watch doubles hit the wall either. <laughs> well, okay, we're, we're getting to that game. You just hold yeah. on. You just leave Wilson alone right now. Um, okay. Uh, we get, we, we'll, this... go chronolo- we'll go into a chronology. <laughs> Danny, Danny's trying to introduce chaos into my chronology this yeah, morning. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hit, hit me. Well, we, we win five to one. And, it, and the thing I liked about this game was their approach against Cueto which is to just go in there hacking and it worked. I feel like in their approach was just awesome. Um, Like they had a game plan, they stuck to it and it worked and they pantsed the South side, which I'm always all about. Um, And it felt like we could have done it the next day too. It really did. That second game was heartbreaking. Okay. Can I also tell you, I am weirdly superstitious, so I oftentimes make deals with the universe about things that will happen based on Cubs games. I know it's weird, people. Like, this is just the thing I do. But so I'll be, I was sitting there watching this game, and the Cubs were kind of winning. I'm like, if the Cubs win this game, I'm going to go get ice cream. And it was like a, it was like a really hot day. And I was like, it's going to be great when the Cubs win this game. I'm going to go get ice cream. And then they blew 
three saves. David Robertson blew a save, and then Scott Efros blew a save, and then Robert Gesellman, who is no longer with the Cubs, blew a save. And I was just like, you have got to be kidding me right now. So the Cubs kept me from ice cream, which I'm sure my diet is happy about, but my my stomach that day would have been happier if I could have gotten celebratory ice cream because the Cubs won. And honestly, this was just a frustrating game because it felt so, so winnable, and it wasted a Marcus Stroman gem against the White Sox. Yeah, Stroh pitched great. Um, three hits, seven innings, only two Ks in this one, but only two walks, too. Got his ERA under four. That's good to see. 90 pitches, uh, throwing at least two-thirds strikes. I mean, and yeah, the bullpen, I mean, the bullpen's been good. So I, I'm. this was just not their day, obviously. Um, especially Efros, who's been really good. Uh, but uh, Gesellman, at the end, I mean, I did, I managed, I was at this game and I looked down at my phone and I was like, well, isn't there anybody they could be putting in except for Gesellman? And I looked down and I was like, no, there really isn't at this point. You know, it, it feels felt like we were out of guys given like who had pitched the day before and all that stuff because the Cubs bullpen's taking a lot of innings. So at some point, you know, these guys aren't going to have like zero ERAs at the, on the year, they're going to end up in the threes and they'll still be good, but they'll end up in the threes and twos and fours. And that'll still be a decent bullpen guy that you can count on sometimes, but they got to give up four runs per nine innings that they pitch in order for it to be a four ERA at the end of the year. So thus, this is one of those games where we saw that happen and the reversion to that mean that uh, us baseball fans really hate sometimes, unless well, it's working in your favor. I was going to say, yeah, sometimes it works in your favor. Um, well, it didn't work in Gesellman's favor. And I will call him Gesellman instead of Gesuckman this time because he's off the team and I feel bad for him now. Yeah, he got, no he got DFA'd in the middle of a doubleheader uh, on Memorial Day. Let's talk about Oof. that game. Brewers came to town. Our friend Infield Fly Girl was here, made her first visit to Wrigley Field, got to catch a couple games on the south side, got to catch the game, the doubleheader on Memorial Day. It was a lot of fun. Um, and she got to see Matt Swarmer make a really good debut. And honestly, Swarmer de- deserved better. He threw six innings, five hits. Four runs, but only one of them was earned because Clint Frazier and Ian Happ forgot how to position themselves in the outfield, which was really frustrating to watch. Struck out six, only walked one. I am okay with seeing another start from Mr. Swarmer. Well, you're gonna, because I think he's pitching Saturday or something. But um, yeah, that three unearned runs and that along with the toot lands, you know, the game game was, this game was was a a winnable game. game. It was a one run game. So uh, yeah, that was really you out hit him, you, you out hit him 12 to seven, you commit two errors and that's the difference in the game right then and there end of the game. Josh Hader comes in, shuts you down. Just, you know, it's just not, <laughs> that's, you can't commit two errors against the Milwaukee Brewers, the first place team and expect to win. You just can't. And you know, Clint Frazier, the way he played that ball, he olayed that thing so bad. You know, he didn't, he, first of all, the ball could have been caught. That's a, it should have been an out. Number one. Um, he pulled up short on it and then Olaid the hell out of it. And it was, and I've watched the replay on this, this, this morning. Yeah. Ju- this morning I watched this just to re- refresh my memory of those Memorial day games because it now feels a million years ago. But um, yeah, that that's annoying. I, you know, 
Clint Frazier. Then he had, then right after that, he had a bad throw way offline, way up the first baseline. I don't know as much as I want to see Clint Frazier play more. I feel like the, the knock on this guy was a, that he could only stay. He couldn't stay in the field, but B that I think Yankee fans, my vibe about it was, and I, don't know for sure. My vibe about it was is they were annoyed with him for things like this. Possibly. I'm, I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway here only because he just came back and it's sort of like it might take a little bit to get back in the game, to be feeling, you Feel know. Like we'll be and, saying that about him forever. That's what I'm here's saying. The last, I know. And here's the last reason that I'm going to – look, I, he gets a week, Danny. I'm going to – I'll throw him under the bus in a week if, if – this is still happening. But okay, the, I'll, I'll I'll bide my time, and then I'm we'll and then we'll week. lay in. <laughs> the one other thing that I thought, honestly, like I already I already kind of threw both Hap and Fraser under the bus here, but the the <laughs> wind on Memorial Day and on Tuesday was really really howling. It was howling out to center, and you know that when you walk up to Wrigley and the little flags aren't there, you know it's going to be a doozy of a day. It's like. When they don't have the the standing flags, like they don't have all of the NL East, NL Central, NL West flags hanging because they know yeah. that it's so windy that those flags could likely blow away and break and everything could be a disaster. And so they just don't put them up at all. That's what was going on on both Monday and Tuesday at Wrigley Field. And so it is worth noting that, you know, any ball in the air was doing weird things. And I think that that explains a bunch of stuff. I think that explains the Wilson double that you were talking about earlier. I think it explains the Frazier stuff. I, I mean, I just think there were, there were weird things going on with the wind and, but well, the balls were flying out of there, uh, yes. on, especially on Monday. Um, there were homers hit by both teams. Uh, quite a few of them. I didn't count them up, but Jace Peterson hit one. Hey, Jace Peterson hit two. Why are we getting beat by Jace Peterson, uh, Tyrone Taylor, and Rowdy Telez? Like, it's not even like the normal guys that you would think would be beating you. Like, these guys are just hitting uh, balls. Oh, and Caratini, too. Trader, 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 teeny. It's Um, not his fault. I know, but it's not his fault. But, But still, the balls were flying out. And yeah, it was just, we came up. And I, I thought it was interesting. Somebody replied to me on Twitter. Uh, just uh, this morning, I think, and said that the difference in one run games is who hit more home runs in the game. Like that is the number one, which stands to reason it's maybe seems like an obvious thing, but that is the number one uh, like data point that you can point at said in a one run game, what is the difference? Who hit more home runs? Um, Speaking of home runs, PJ Higgins, we saw his first on, so good for him. I mean, first as a career, yeah, not just sure first of the year. Yeah, we saw his second later this series, And his too. second, I mean, it yeah. Was, yeah, it was a wild, wild week of win at, at Wrigley Ortega. Field. Ortega. Um, couple other notes. Uh, Seiya Suzuki to the injured list. This is probably like a 10-day stint that his finger was still acting up when they were doing some drills, and so they finally IL'd him. Um, and more, more stolen bases, which was great. In the second game of this Memorial Day doubleheader, okay, we're going to start with Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras absolutely massacred a baseball. Like, this ball (laughs) was tattooed 116 miles off the bat. It is the hardest hit baseball of Wilson Contreras' career, and he already hits the ball very, very hard. He's in, like, the 98th, 99th percentile of this every single season of his career. 
I, I have a little bit of a beef here and I'm still trying to track down exactly what happened. I have a hypothesis, but I don't have any evidence for it. So StatCast said this ball went 420 feet. StatCast is on crack. Uh, our friend Ballhawk <laughs> Dave was out on Waveland. This ball cleared Waveland on the fly, went over the fence at the Budweiser house and landed on the other side of the fence. Like he's got the mark of where the ball hit the fence as it was like coming in on the fly. And then Dave did some measurements from home plate to where he saw the ball land with his own eyes, 458 feet, and StatCast says 420. Now, I have heard from friends who do some work with StatCast and numbers and those types of things that balls that leave the yard because of the way the tracking system works don't always get measured accurately, which I guess sort of tracks but also feels weird because isn't this just geometry? Like, you have the launch angle of the ball and you have how fast it was going and then you have other factors, and, and I feel like math should be better than like a 9% error on a baseball just because it happened to leave Wrigley Field. But whatever, the ball was the ball was absolutely slaughtered. And also, Wilson Contreras deserves credit for hitting a ball 460 feet because, frankly, not that many balls clear Waveland anymore these days. That ball was absolutely ridiculously pulverized. Yeah, no, and he hit a couple too, and yeah, he is hitting the heck out of the ball. I mean, it is, it's a, it's a pleasure to see. Even the outs are hard, and um, so <laughs> we we are actually talking the, about this last night on the spaces. Um, Wilson Contreras, invaluable to this current team. Him uh, telling Morel to breathe last night behind him, just a beautiful baseball teammate moment. Um, I feel like he's a great mentor to a lot of the young guys that are coming up right now. And you think about the concept of him being traded. He's massacring baseballs. He's handling the pitching staff. Well, uh, I don't understand like why you don't want him on your team. Like sign the man is all I'm saying. Let's go 10, give him a 10 year contract. Right? Blank check, but, blank I mean, check him. I do 10 years, but I would do six or seven without thinking twice about it because I feel like even at the end of his career, particularly if they manage his time behind the plate well, he is going to be able to hit the baseball really incredibly hard. Like he he is such a good hitter. He is he is he a runs great, well. pure hitter. And I just I feel I can't look, I would I would give him all the money in the world right now, which we all know, but I I feel like you know, a six a six-year contract with an option for a seventh is is kind of a no-brainer. And everybody agrees with you. Except for the Cubs front office. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy. Clear, it's not even clear to me that the Cubs front office doesn't agree with me after watching an interview that Jed Hoyer gave about this subject a while back where he didn't he didn't talk about it the same way he talked about those contracts last year. And he left the door open to there being conversations after they figure the arbitration thing out. That's the other wild thing. Wilson Contreras doesn't know how much money he's making for this season. And every time he comes to the plate, in my opinion, he earns more money. Like arbitrators aren't supposed to take current performance into account for that, but they're human. How could they not? Like, I just feel like he's just, he's just up in that ante every single time. It's like, should have paid him before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of reminds me of um, just like inflation in general. Like, I really need a new computer, and and uh, 
I was like, I've been putting it off for like a year. I'm like, ah, it's still good. I know it's acting funny, but I'll do a little maintenance, you know, that kind of thing. And now I look at the computer prices and I'm like, oh man, should have bought one last year before all the inflation hit. And, uh, you know, now I feel that, I mean, I feel that way about cooking. I'm like, I should have bought 50 vats of olive oil. And now that is the Wilson Contreras situation right now. It's like, well, you should have paid him before. Now it's going to be cost you more. Should have, should have bought that used car last year when you could have. Totally. Um, This was the game that Drew Smiley left after three innings. That incidentally was the corresponding move for Jason Hayward coming back Smiley to the IL. Uh, So no, the Cubs did not lose like a Nelson Velasquez or something like that. But I do agree with you that I'd sort of rather see what Anderson Espinosa can do at the moment. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with the Jason Hayward thing. Uh, Anderson Espinosa in his debut was all right. He was a little wild. He has he has walk and command issues. That's sort of what's kept him in the minors. But it is worth remembering that this is a top prospect and a, a former top prospect. Um, he was in 2017 and 2018 one of the top 50 prospects in baseball in the Red Sox and Padres system before he had Tommy John surgery. And he's obvi- he's you know he's he's coming back from rehabbing Tommy John surgery twice. So this is a wild card. The Cubs got him for Jake Marisnik of all people, which is sort of crazy to think about. But if he hits and he winds up being a useful bullpen arm, he could be electric. Yeah. And I liked his, uh, I liked his swagger up there. He was kind of walking around the mound and uh, I I just liked his vibe. There's something about him that had a sort of it factor that he believed in himself. He's only 24. So um, pretty cool. He's from Venezuela. So is Wilson. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like, I liked the guy. I mean, there's something about him and we've only seen him once. What, what four innings of work gave up the one home run, um, only two runs on two hits, but like it wasn't, and it just, it's something about it seemed right. And I know you're not supposed to go by eyeball test and stuff like that when we have, um, you know, stats and stuff, but there's something about somebody's demeanor on the mound or really doing anything that makes you be like, Oh my God, this is, this is a real guy. And he, he believes in himself and there's, there's something to that. So. Yeah. I, I thought that too. he took the, the other, loss too. Unfortunately, The other thing that I noticed, um, Infield Fly Girl and I did, did kind of a walk. We walked around the concourse on our way out to watch the players after the game. And there were so many debuts uh, in this game. Like Nelson Velasquez was there for the first time. Anderson Espinoza was there for the first time. You had Swarmer making his debut earlier in the day. I mean, it was just so, so many uh, major league firsts happening on Memorial Day. And, and Nelson Velasquez and Anderson Espinoza were out on the field afterwards, just kind of soaking it all in and soaking in the fans and all. And you like, I like to see that. I mean, I, I like to see guys who are, who are having their moment, right. And sharing it with family and loved ones and, and appreciating all of the hard work they've gone to, to get to this point. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. But you know, I'm all for the kids. That's why, I mean, I, I'd heard a, t- a t- Cubs Twitter did an audible groan at when Jason Hayward came back yesterday they were like oh thought that maybe it was just gonna be like il kind of background coach you know sitting the dugout but he's on the but he's on still on the COVID il just wearing a mask you know kind of thing for jay hay he did score the winning run last night so you got to give him that but um but granted he, he he did 
managed to be on second base only because he made the last out in the inning before. But still, um, he's a great base runner, great uh, mentor and stuff. But I still would love to see these younger guys play. I mean, uh, I do want to get more excited about some of these prospects, but I only want to do it when they're facing major league pitching at Wrigley Field. I, you know, when some guy in Myrtle Beach is, you know, hitting two home runs in a game or something, Pete Crow Armstrong goes up. I'm like, yeah, but he's who who knows who he's facing? Like it could be their worst single A guy, you know, like we don't know. Um, I mean, somebody knows, but uh, you're not, who's got all the time to look up the thousands of people playing in all levels of uh, everybody's system to know. Um, well, hold on. Our Josh Timmers at Bleed Cubby Blue has the time to look up all the thousands of people in minor league baseball. And he does an outstanding job every single day recapping the Cubs minor league day uh, with his Cubs minors rap post at BCB. If you do not follow Josh on Twitter already, you definitely should. And also, I just want to shout out the fact that Marquis is showing a bunch of the iCubs and Myrtle Beach and South Bend Cubs games right now. And so they just started um, earlier this week, but during the day when the Cubs are playing at night or when the Cubs have an off day, those types of things on watch marquee, you can probably find a minor league game for the Chicago Cubs. Yesterday I got to see Alec Mills doing some rehab work followed by, and the I Cubs were just mashing when I looked up, I was like, I had it on mute in the background while I was doing some work and I looked up, I'm like, Oh, now it is six to nothing. Oh, now it is 11 to one. Oh, now it is 12 to one. I mean, the, the, the Cubs minor league system is, is doing some damage relative to their competition. So yeah, they're winning a lot. I heard DJ Hertz had a good game last night. Somebody said that on the Twitter space and talked about his line. And the, there's a lot of things to be excited about. Um, well, and, and I can't uh, remember if it's South Bend or Myrtle Beach, but the somebody highlighted the run differential uh, in that division right now. And it is June that team has a run differential of plus 119, which is like 95 runs more than the next closest team. It is absurd. <laughs> Yay. We're, we're the Dodgers of single A. Woohoo! <laughs> I mean, if I lived in Myrtle Beach, I might be more excited. I live a mile from Wrigley, so do you. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to wait for these guys. You know, I'm excited, but, you know, I, I tend to temper my excitement because I feel like we should have a team like that right now at Wrigley field. So there's, it, I, I, I kind of take it with a grain, grain of salt. Uh, I mean, not a grain of salt, but like maybe it's like a, a bit of a bitter pill to swallow uh, to have such talent down there, which is all going to be cheap for Ricketts when it comes through, you know, Oh God, I don't have to pay him and we'll be good again. And I'm like, uh, will you please the, on the years like this, just buy us a team. And then we'll wait for the guys to come through. But I, I want to get uh, a team bought for me. Uh, they, they didn't do it. It feels like, you know, you lose all these one-run games. Maybe if you had upgraded at a few positions besides just getting Andrelton Simmons. I mean, look, I don't know how Correa is doing, but I can tell you the Twins are in first place. And they got Correa. So, I mean, does a move like that you yeah, make no. a different? You, you make a few moves. You, oh, I got three second basemen. I trade one for a bullpen guy. You know, like... I'm just saying that there are things that could have been done in the off season that they did not do. So as, as excited I am as about the minor leagues, I, I just, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till they're here performing against Josh Hader at the end of a baseball game to tell you what I think about them. Yeah. No, I'm going to reserve I judgment. That. 
I totally agree. I and we you all you and I were also talking um, at a game we went to earlier this week about the minor leagues or the minor leagues because a lot of different things can happen, right? Like things can go wrong, guys can succeed, guys can get hurt, they can flame out. Like I was looking at some 2018 prospect list the other day that had Juan Soto ranked as like the 25th prospect in baseball behind Jesus Sanchez and. That was funny, let me tell you. But I, you know, I mean, all of these things, you, you don't really know what you have and it takes time and you got to see what happens. But um, we actually have to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we are going to talk about the two Cubs victories in the Brewers series. We are going to preview five games against the St. Louis Cardinals who are finally headed to Wrigley for the first time this season. But first, a quick break. All right, let's talk about victories and facing the Cardinals, which will hopefully lead to a lot more victories. Danny, you and I went to the fifth uh, the fifth game of this six-game recap. That was an 8-7 to seven win, the Chicago Cubs over the Milwaukee Brewers. And I just want to highlight one thing here. Christopher Morrell continued his on-base streak to start his career with the Chicago Cubs. It's up to 15 games now, but it got to 14 games in or 14 games in this particular game. And that makes him the longest on base streak to start a career in the history of the Cubs going back to at least 1901, surpassing the previous record holder, Wilson Contreras, who started his career with 13 games on base. So I thought that was really cool. It was historic and the streak is still going. So keep it up, Christopher Morrell. Yeah, very cool. I mean, what a spark plug. It's exactly what we were just talking about is that we want to see the young guys play. If Christopher Morrell gets sent down for David Bodie, I will lose my mind. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's kind of how we're all feeling right now. Um, Morrell is definitely the hot hand. Uh, does he come back down to earth? They all do, except for very, except for Mike Trout, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome to see what, it, and it's the attitude. It's the, the excitement, the, you know, he, he is giving me Javi vibes. I don't, as far as like, you know, the clapping and the playing at a very high uh, energy level and being super excited and supportive for his teammates. I mean, this is the kind of camaraderie that you want to build into the next great Cubs team. You know, my best, I agree with you. There are super Javi vibes here. There is one place, well, I guess two places, two stats, one place where Christopher Morrell is decidedly not doing Javi Baez things. And I want to flag it because people, the the knock on him when he came up was that he struck out a lot, that he had struck out about 28% of time the time in the minors. And so you figure that's going to go up, not down against major league pitching. Christopher Morrell is defying logic on that front. He is only striking out 22.4% of the time. He is walking 13.4% of the time. He is taking walks, getting on base, and then just causing havoc when he's there. He already has six stolen bases for the Chicago Cubs. He he's just inventing runs when he's out there. Like he he gets on base, he scores a run, he steals a bag, induces a bad throw, all of a sudden he's home. It's incredible. It's a sack fly to win the game. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it that uh, when that pickoff that pickoff throw that happened right in front of us when he, and he ends up on third base, ends up scoring later in the inning. Um yeah, just when you're out there making things happen, um, putting the ball in play, uh, not striking out a lot. I mean, just, yeah, just don't strike out and then things can happen. Hit the ball and move, move runners around, do, do what you need to do in in the situation that it is. How annoying would it, I mean, first of all, 
the old Cubs who struck out a lot, like that used to lead the majors in strikeouts pretty much um, annually. Um, there's a good chance that th- this runner on second rule and in extra innings, they're not able to move him over. They're just, they're not able to hit a sack fly to get him in. They go up and they would get that runner on second and strike out. You know, how many times would we see that happen? You know, um, so this is a different Cubs team and Christopher Morrell is a big part of it. I don't know if it's a hitting philosophy. The OBP as a leadoff hitter is certainly playing 373. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. No complaint. Yeah, 10, 10 exactly. recommend. <laughs> exactly. I'm mean, like, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, the, the Cubs finally have a lead. No, I mean, I'm not going to get ahead of myself um, at all on this. Uh, but I am excited about Christopher Morrell. I would rather watch him. And he wasn't supposed to be. Speaking of prospects, like everybody's excited about the, you know, the big names down at single A that are putting up cartoon numbers. But how about a guy like Christopher Morrell, who maybe hasn't had the greatest minor league career in the world? Um, you know, he's was okay. I mean, he never had an OPS above 800 in his whole career. Um, and now he's in the big, in the bigs and he's got an 837. He put it something together this year in Tennessee and he got promoted for it and it's working. You know, he, it really, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here. It really reminds me of Wilson Contreras who came up and wasn't supposed to come up. He came up as kind of a stopgap because Montero and Ross were both hurt at the time and the Cubs needed a catcher. Kyle Schwarber had torn up his knee, so he couldn't be the catcher. So it had to be Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras comes up for, he's supposed to be there for five days, 10 days, whatever, and they can never send him back because the bat is so good and he's such a big part of the team that they're like, play left field. Can you play right field? How about third base? Which he did, by the way. He played all of those positions in 2016 because the Cubs could not send him back down to the minors. And it's not just that, you know, he's he's outperforming all expectations. Like he got to the show and he's doing the thing that he wanted to do. But both of those dudes have something to prove in a way that like a first round draft pick who was always supposed to come up and get their shot at the show does not, right? Like Christopher Morrell was the 14th ranked prospect heading into the season for the Cubs. And he was supposed to be like kind of a backup guy who might get a shot in September if things went okay. And here he is leading off every single day, doing outstanding things. I just pulled up his stat cast page and for th- these numbers won't solidify for a minute, be- hot minute because, you know, small sample size. And all of that, but his max exit velocity is currently 91st percentile in the majors. His sprint speed is 93rd percentile in the majors. And he's currently rocking a barrel rate of 10.3%, which look, that won't solidify until he's got a few more plate appearances and a few more batted ball events. But that plays, <laughs> you should leave him here. Well, that and that's just it. So what, what are we going to bring David Bodie back just because, you know, they signed him to a team-friendly contract and took care of his family for life? You know, I mean, there's no point to it when we'd all rather see Christopher Morrell. And, um, you know, you said, what, 18th top-rated pro- or 14th top-rated prospect? 14th fan graphs. I mean, the list couldn't vary. Right. So, yeah, 14th, 14th for the Cubs in a, for a team that only has three of the top 100. So this, you know, this guy's way down the list as far as the overall situation goes, but he comes to the bigs and you wonder how many guys are like this, that if they are blocked on their team uh, by 
whoever it would be, but you know, by the number one prospect, by somebody like, let's say a Clint Frazier, who just has all this promise and has all this hope, but is not coming on to the, this Cubs team and playing like Christopher Morrell does. I mean, why would Chris, why would you go with a Clint Frazier? Just cause what you, he's a bonus baby and you pay him more. Like, no, I think you have to play who is earning their way onto the team, whether that means a, an eventual like DFA of Hayward or because that's a sunk cost. He's not going to be part of the team in the future. Morrell might be, and we're seeing it. So it, it'll be interesting. There's it's weird to think of a, uh, having a roster crunch on a team like this, <laughs> but oh, there's, there's going to be a roster crunch. It's coming. Um, let's talk about this last game. This, this is a walk-off win. It was the first Cubs walk-off win of 2022. And it was Christopher Morrell's. It was a lot of fun. Nobody loved it more than Wilson Contreras who like, after he had gotten a water bath already, showered him with another ice chest. There was just all grins ear to ear, making sure that his man lived up every single moment. And I just want to say, Wilson Contreras, prior to Christopher Morrell hitting the sacrifice fly ball, kind of pulled him aside in the on-deck circle and just said, hey, man, take a deep breath. And he did and then did exactly what he needed to do to get that run in from third. And I, look, the contreras Morrell mentoring situation, you can't break this up. This is perfection. This is everything I want in baseball. I want the like 30-year-old veteran with the 22-year-old hot shot and they're clearly like pals and learning from each other and firing each other up. Every time I see a clip of Wilson Contreras and Christopher Morrell interacting, I'm like, oh my God, that's even better than the last one. I don't know. I, this is like the most amazing thing. It's so likable. It's so pure. It's so perfect. Please, please, please let me watch it for the next five years. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and especially because we're, we're going to, we've talked about how there's no catchers coming up in the next, uh, in the, in the next uh, round of free agents. And um, on, on top of that, we're about to see a team, you know, with Yadier Molina, who the Cardinals just said, no, you're our guy. We're going to, we're going to keep you back there. You're the spark plug of this team. You're the catcher, which is the field general of the entire situation. And I just, with, with uh, Miguel Amaya, Really a huge question mark. Talk about prospects that don't pan out. I mean, this guy was probably supposed to be here this year. And it's it's not happening, if ever. And, I, you know, so what are you going to do, Cubs? Because there's not a lot of options out there. Now, if you're going to – if I mean, uh, Jan Gomes, there's your answer to it. I mean, I like heck, Jan I mean – Gomes as a backup. I like Wilson Contreras exactly. as the guy and to PJ build Higgins. your entire – team around, around. and yeah. it's not just Christopher Morrell like look at who's coming up for this team you got Nelson Velasquez there in the dugout he needs a mentor you got you know Preciado down in the minor leagues Brennan Davis Pete Crow Armstrong who is going to be their person that like shows them the ropes and like what it is like to be a major league baseball player let him yeah. be Wilson Contreras build a team that is as fiery and exciting as Wilson Contreras it will not let you down Cubs you will win a lot of baseball games it'll be great yeah, I, I, God, I hope they're listening. Can you imagine that, like, Tom Ricketts just decides to tune in right now? And I know he doesn't make the baseball decisions or whatever, but – and and it seems like – I mean, the word on the street is they don't like Wilson, and I don't get it because everybody else does. Now, there might – there's probably a lot of stuff we don't know. We know how hot he can run down there, but that's what this team needs. They – you know, what that was the knock on the last, quote-unquote, core. 
is they didn't have a fire under their butt. And we kind of saw that play out that way. The sense of urgency and Joe Madden always eating meatloaf, winning two or three, you know, that didn't play out. I mean, this team was just content to do that. And they didn't, they stopped like, you know, stepping on necks and, and really like following through and getting the sweep. And we saw a lot of getaway day lineups and stuff. And they, you know, they rolled over and they let the brewers eat their lunch for the last three years. The so brewers, man. The, yeah, exactly. With no payroll. I mean, we should all be just outraged at this situation. And now, because if you think of it from this other side of it, if Wilson Contreras was on another team and you looked at your catching situation and you said, oh, we don't have a very good catcher. Wouldn't it be great if we signed an awesome dude like Wilson Contreras? Like if he was on the, you know, the Blue Jays, you know, and you're just like, oh, this guy's awesome. He hits all these home runs. He's a good catcher, very athletic, steals bases. Like, wouldn't you want your team to sign that guy even out of the blue? So, I mean, you already got him here. <laughs> this is just going to become a Wilson Contreras, please sign Wilson Contreras podcast for the next until the trade deadline, at Extend least. Extend Wilson Contreras. Do it now, you cowards. Um, one last note from this game, cowards. because I have to point this out. Our friend Luis Medina tweeted this out yesterday, and frankly, it's it's one of the funniest baseball notes I've ever seen in my life. Yesterday, the Brewers started Jason Alexander, and if you did not watch the show Seinfeld, Jason Alexander is an actor who played George Costanza in that show. They then brought in, in relief for Jason Alexander, Miguel Sanchez, which is a pseudonym that is used by the Simpsons cartoon character Lionel Hutz. So they literally started with George Costanza and then subbed him with Lionel Hutz in the middle <laughs> of the game, which frankly is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I retweeted that from my account if you want to take a look at Luis Medina catching one of the funnier things you'll ever see in a baseball game that you might have missed otherwise. Thanks for that, Luis. Um, all right, Danny, the Cardinals are coming to town. The lockout sort of created a weird schedule situation where we have not seen the Cardinals yet this year. It is the first time we are going to see them, and it's a five-game series at Wrigley Field that will end on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. Yes, yes, y'all, there will be a bingo card. You knew there was going to be a bingo card. Yeah. It's coming out on Sunday. Uh, I will have that ready for you. But before we get to bingo, let's talk about these probable pitching matchups. Um, we have three of the five pitchers for both teams. Neither team has committed to who they're throwing in the doubleheader, which to my mind means we might see Swarmer again. We might see Anderson Espinosa. I mean, I have no idea who is going to start these games. Danny, what do you see in these probable pitcher matchups? Um, wow. I, well, tonight we got Keegan, uh, and we already talked about how we like what we've seen out of him. I love that he's getting another start. The more he, you know, gets into that routine of being a starter, I think that'll be great for him because he's going to be a big part of this rotation, at least for the next foreseeable future with all the injuries that we have. Um, Awesome. I'm, I'm all for it. Liberatory for the, for the uh, Cardinals. Liberatory. Uh, Liberatory. Okay. Sure. Well, uh, he's a number one prospect for those guys and he's having, I don't know. He's, he's having a pretty good year. I would imagine Cardinals are in second place. They just came in from sweeping the Padres. I know. Yeah. Um, he, just, he just got his call up. Um, he was, if y'all remember, he was the prospect from Tampa Bay that the Cardinals acquired in the Randy Arena deal. Um, and I, I 
maybe was Tommy Pham part of that? No, Tommy Pham was part of a different. Anyway, it doesn't even matter. Is like, this my, his debut? It's not his debut, but it's going to okay. be like his second or third start ever. Um, he just got called up. He's been working his way through their system for a couple of seasons now. And I mean, you know, he, he just started. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Has a really interesting arm, has been getting some looks in a lot of fantasy circles, but I actually missed his first start. So I don't know if it was solid or if it was, if it was great or what it was. <laughs> well, I'm looking at it right now. He's 1 0 with a 372. So it looks like he pitched in the one game, uh, or no, two games he pitched in. And he started them both. So, all right, not only 9.2 innings in both those games. So he's you might not see him go very long, but um, he gave up uh, four runs in those 9.2 innings, uh, five walks, but nine strikeouts. So uh, a lot of walks. I would say that's more walks than he would like to. It's more walks to, than uh, Keegan com- Thompson is what I'm going to say. I'm just yeah. And uh, it looks like those are spread out over the two games. Yeah. He went 4.2 and then he went five against Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. Um, he actually pitched pretty well against Milwaukee. Uh, two hits, five runs, struck out six through five. It's Pittsburgh that he gave up the runs to <laughs> and uh, four earned seven hits in 4.2. So. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. He was a first round draft pick in 2018, finally making his way to the show. I mean, I honestly, I, I think it's kind of interesting that Keegan Thompson's going up against like the prospect pedigree guy. Cause Keegan Thompson is not that guy. Uh, and Keegan Thompson has been nailed. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm going tonight. I'm going with my Cardinals fan friend, Dennis. So I'm really hoping <laughs> that, uh, that I could shove it in his face, uh, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> uh, the second yeah. matchup is Marcus Stroman versus Miles Michaelis. It's kind of a battle of the crafty dudes. Uh, I, I'm hoping Stroman can repeat what he did last time and the bullpen won't let him down. <laughs> yeah, Stroh Stro, uh, came off the COVID IL pretty strong. So, yeah, I like what I saw out of him. Um, Michaelis is one of those annoying guys that – um, they picked up off the scrap heap and was really good for them for a year or two. And I think the blooms kind of off the rose with him, but I know he would had some injury problems and, and stuff, but um, yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the more uh, established of the pitching matchups that I think we'll see this weekend until the end when, when um, old man Wayno goes out there anyway. Dude, Adam Wainwright is, and and there are there are reasons for it. Like it makes sense in a way if you study pitching and you look at what types of pitches. So Wainwright is a curveball guy, right? Like that's his specialty. That's always yeah. been his his best pitch. Uh, and curveball guys can, depending on what else they throw, age better than like fastball hurler types, right? I just think there's a different type of stress that it puts on your arm. And if you're able to avoid injury with it for a really long time, you can sort of Rich Hill or Adam Wainwright your way into pitching for a really, really long time, even though you no longer have like a 95 mile per hour fastball to pair with your curveball. That's basically what Adam Wainwright has done. It's got to end at some point. And it would be really cool if the Cubs could be the team to end it on Sunday night baseball. (laughs) Well, it's going to end at some point because he's 40. So, <laughs> but yeah, it hasn't though. He's, he's got a really good, uh, he's having a really nice year is 275 ERA, uh, 59 innings pitched in 10 games. So he's getting 
probably about an average of six innings per start. Um, the strikeouts are there uh, still 48 strikeouts on the year to only 20 walks. Uh, yeah, man, it just keeps working for him. And yeah, it would be nice if it, if it happened. I, and here's one, I'll give you some good news here. Uh, Jason Hayward actually hits him really well, slashing 357, 386, 595 for a 982 OPS. Wilson Contreras hits him well. He's got two dongs off him, even though he's only batting 174. Um, he's made it count when it when it mattered. And uh, it, Ian Happ is probably number, four home runs in 20 at-bats off Wayno. And uh, he's batting 400 against him, 429 OBP for a, a, a slugging over a thousand for a 1479 OPS. So there's your, there's your good news for Sunday night baseball, like bet Ian Happ. I think it's really interesting that the person that the Cubs are already committing to Justin Steele throwing here, that they're probably going to bring up some minor arms or like bullpen a game in that double header because this was supposed to be a Kyle Hendricks start. Like if you just looked at the, at the way that the pitching was supposed to line up, Kyle Hendricks was supposed to make two starts this week and the Cubs opted not to do that. Like I imagine that's because Hendricks has struggled a bit, but they pulled him yesterday after only 78 pitches. Yeah. Uh, That's wild. And the fact that he's not going to get that second start this, I mean, you would, you would have thought that in a week where the Cubs had nine games that they were going to play, including two double headers that Kyle Hendricks would have gotten, I don't know, 16, 17 innings of that work, not 78 pitches of it. Like I, I hope that they're working on fixing whatever is going wrong with Mr. Kyle right now, but that has jumped out to me this week as the, as the thing that we're not going to see during the Cardinal series. That is definitely unique. Yeah, it. I thought that was strange last night too when they took him out um, earlier, early in the game, and I'm like, uh, "You guys know you have like 50 double headers. You can't, you cannot work your bullpen like this. You got to rely on Kyle Hendricks, especially because he wasn't pitching that bad. I mean, I mean, maybe it wasn't, but they were saying on the radio that you know. David Ross is pretty locked in to what needs to happen with Kyle. And I wonder how much that is coming down from on high. I don't know if he's getting shopped. I, he I was getting know. hit really hard. I, so the thing that is I that started it? doing during Kyle Hendricks starts and um, is watching his start on baseball savant and Statcast because what Statcast shows you is a couple of things that they don't always show you during the game. And one of those things is they, they flag every hard hit ball that a pitcher gives up and a hard hit ball for purposes of stat cast is I believe over 95 miles per hour might be over 97 miles per hour, but basically any ball that could cause you some problems were it to find any kind of hole. And, and, and with each uh, additional mile per hour of exit velocity, the likelihood that that ball is going to either find a hole or clear the fence goes, goes up even more depending on the launch angle. I think Kyle Hendricks had seven or nine hard hit balls through the five innings of work that he did yesterday it wasn't just that he was getting hit it was that he was getting hit really really hard and the Cubs got kind of lucky that the Brewers didn't piece that into a lot more runs yeah I mean and the Brewers have seen Kyle Hendricks a lot we play the Brewers a ton Kyle Hendricks been around for a while so yeah it would stand to reason that they would maybe figure him out but I feel like and I'm I, but I also feel like uh, Kyle Hendricks has have had some of his best. I'm looking it up right now, but uh, I feel like he also does well against uh, the Brewers, like in general. Like I, maybe I have re- 
some bias to it because I remember that game in 2020 where he just shut them down completely. But um, I'm looking at his game logs here. Yeah, it was opening day was the one run against them. So that was kind of like you can almost throw that out. But yeah, they squared him up on April 29th in Milwaukee. And uh, yeah, last night it was the three runs. Only one strikeout, so he wasn't missing bats. Um, yeah, you would just wonder what they see. Yeah. Uh, but f- five, I mean, he's not giving you length, except for that 8.2 innings and another seven run throwing in that thrown in there. He hasn't uh, gotten in into the seventh since then. It's been 4.1, 5.1, that kind of thing. And not even finishing innings. Speaking of bats, let's talk about these Cubs and Cardinals bats before we close out today's shows as a team the st louis cardinals are batting 252 321 396 with a team wrc plus of 107 for comparison the cubs are currently batting 236 316 386 with a team wrc plus of 98 so the cardinals would appear to have a little bit of a hitting edge here and i I have i have i'm just going to prepare you all when we get to the hot hitters on this team there are a lot of them for the cardinals like so many i didn't throw them all into our show notes because i didn't want to break danny's heart uh danny what Hmm. are you seeing with these matchups between the offenses between the cubs and the cardinals yeah i mean they're somewhat evenly matched um at least as far as like the overall stats go uh, they, we're going to see, I don't know. I heard he might be banged up, but we're, I think we might see Nolan Gorman, who is one of their top prospects. And this guy's come on like gangbusters in a, even more so than Morrell did, um, slashing 387, 472, 677 to start for OPS over 1100. And then, uh, you got Paul Goldschmidt, who basically the freaking Arizona Diamondbacks up like paid for him to come over to St. Louis, um, you know, 353. No, that was Arenado and the Rockies, but like, okay. uh, we three, can him, we can give him hell for the Goldschmidt thing too. Like I just yeah, feel like it, everything it, works out. Everything's just, everything's coming up. Cardinal. Yeah. 353, 429, 625. He's got the highest OPS in baseball last I looked. So like, that's just all very frustrating that, you know, they would have so many highly ranked players uh, on a team with a, I believe a lower payroll than the Cubs. Uh, I don't, I, I, I have to look at the payroll things. I, I, in a normal year, I would think that, well, you, you look that up while I go through. I will. I will. Yeah. Go through, go through some of the guys that are Nolan Gorman Gorman has a WRC plus of 223 right now, which means he's 123% better than the league average hitter at driving in runs. That's going to cool off, but it might not cool off in time for it to matter for the Cubs. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt's WRC plus is 196. Some guy named Brendan Donovan that I've never heard of has a WRC plus of 149, which is the most. Oh my God. Brendan Donovan. Nolan Arenado has a WRC plus of 146. Juan Yepes has a WRC plus of 127. Come on. Tommy Edmond. You're making up names now. These aren't real people. (laughs) Tommy Edmond has a WRC plus of 122. (laughs) And Albert Pujols has a WRC plus of 112. The most annoying thing on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball when the Cardinals have played is the is the Hagioth, like just the the absolute ridiculousness they go through to venerate Pujols and Yachty and Wayno. And did you know it was their last year? And they played together for so long and the Cardinals way. And so I'm just warning y'all now it is going to be gross on Sunday. Yeah, don't watch it if you like yourself i don't know what to tell you because it's going to be an insufferable broadcast uh the cardinals are spending 10 million dollars more than the cubs according to spot 
And they're probably going to the playoffs because, you know, they have some guys who can actually like hit consistently. Anyway, I'm, I'm just we're, we're not going to we're not going to do this. right. Yeah, now. yeah, I do. I, I don't. Do I, right I, I'm predicting a five game sweep <laughs> of the Cardinals. Right. I think the yeah, I mean, just if they're coming, I think in, in opposites, they're coming in hot, which means they got to cool. This is a reversion to the mean that we've been looking for. Uh, sure, they yeah. come in <laughs> high, high on their high on the horse. And we just, we just take them down. We morel them to death. We, we got a, a, a great start from swarmer <laughs> swarmer with a no hitter. I'm just, I'm just throwing out all the positivity I can. I, I love it. Thanks, Danny. I appreciate your positivity. The Cubs will counter with some hot bats of their own. Wilson Contreras, who we have spent a lot of time talking about, on this podcast in the last month has a WRC plus of 156. Christopher Morrell has a WRC plus of 135 in the last month. Patrick Wisdom is at 120. Ian Happ is at 119. Raphael Ortega, oh, just kidding. That's, that's, we got back to the 100 line. So Raphael Ortega is back to average, y'all. Him and Clint Frazier sitting there at the 100 Shocker. <laughs> Shocked. I don't know what Shocked. to tell you. The Cardinals have guy, some guy named Brandon Donovan, who's, like batting out of his shoes. I <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna hit he's gonna hit five home runs this weekend. You yeah. know it. <laughs> you know, he could. Uh we'll see what happens. If he hits five home runs this weekend, we will talk about it on the next episode of Cup of Cubby Blue, which will definitely be called on Wake Tooley in the event that Brandon Donovan hits five home runs. <laughs> in the meantime, Danny, where can people find you and your takes on Cubs Cardinals this week? Yeah, Sun Ranto show. Uh look it up. I'm there. S O N R A N T O. Yeah, you can and, and find maybe, me everywhere. Maybe Danny will get uh, inspired to do another one of those Twitter chat community whatever things he was. It doing was it night. went great. Uh, all sorts of people showed up. We got Miguel Esparza, the Spanish voice of the Cubs. Got Cody from uh, Chugo or C H G O as they call themselves. Um, and uh, who else showed up? Uh, Little Yumper. I'm going to leave people out. Uh, had a Brewers fan show up. That's a great comedian. Used to work for Conan O'Brien. Like we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of fun over there. So yeah. So follow me on Sun Ranto. Maybe I'll do another one if I get saucy. Yeah. Maybe I'll show up to the next one. I, I was too tired to do it last night. I was working on this. I was working on the outline for this show too. Um, at, you can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find everything that we talk about on this podcast tweeted out from the podcast account at cup of cubby blue. Uh, and we will be watching all of the games and all of the action between Cub the Cubs and the Cardinals as the best rivalry in sports resumes this weekend at Wrigley Field for a five-game set. You will not want to miss any of it, but if you do, we will have all of the highlights back here for you next time. Until then. <laughs>